Angela Crisco is a filmmaker from Eatonton. Her short film, Recon, will screen during the student films block that opens the Milledgeville Film Festival at 1 p.m. Wednesday, April 26th. Some members of our audience also will know her as an assistant professor of mass communication at Georgia College who specializes in multimedia storytelling in digital media. She's joining us to talk about her film, Recon, and the growing film industry in the state of Georgia. Angela Crisco, welcome to Milledgeville Matters. Thank you. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be here. Well, it's my pleasure that you are coming in to, to talk with us. And we get to interview you in person, whereas many of our filmmakers, we've had to actually talk to them over the phone. So a completely different experience. Well, you weren't that far down the road. So <laughs> thank you very much. Well, Angela, you're a mass communications professor. As Jim Schiffman always says, mass communication that's right. There's no S on the end. Mass communication major. Yes. Angela, you're a mass communication professor, but I know you pride yourself on being a lifelong learner. From what I understand, Recon is a product of your recently completed formal education at the Savannah College of Art and Design. I want to say congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, but please, introduce us to Recon. So Recon is the product of my thesis project, and... It is a story inspired by personal experiences. My father-in-law had Alzheimer's, and I spent two years as his caregiver. So when it came time for me to sit down and decide what my project was going to be about, I actually turned to my husband with tears in my eyes and said, I don't know what to do a story on. And he said, what about my dad? And I said, what about your dad? He's dead. And he said, exactly. So um, that struck a conversation that allowed us to really think back on what his life was like, especially in the later years when I got to know him. I had met him while we were dating and when we got married, but when we moved here to Eatonton, we moved here to be closer to his parents. So in 2000 is really when I started to get to know Richard Crisco. And in 2003, I think, was when he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And that began the journey of really trying to figure out what Alzheimer's is about. And so from that point forward, I learned a lot about Alzheimer's. I understood what it meant to build memories and try to get into their world. So when it came time to do my film project, it did make sense to go back to something that I knew a lot about and use that as an inspiration to tell the story. So Recon is a story about a father and son who build the relationship around stories told while fishing. And then over time, as the dad gets Alzheimer's, is diagnosed with Alzheimer's, the son has to find a way to reconnect with him. And so using those past memories was how he did that. And Recon is not a whole lot of scenes how did you work to try to uh, break down such a large subject into the course of a what is less than a nine and a half minute film? Mm -hmm. Because it is a story that you know it conveys a lot, but it does so in such a short space. It was really hard to do that. And actually, my DP, when we were having our conversation, I had the story written out, and he said, "I really think we need to think about rearranging this story." And I said, "No." We need to start with where it all began. And my husband did do a lot of fishing on Lake Oconee with his dad. And so that's where the story began. The story began when he was a young child 
And so that's where I wanted to start the story. And it does span over a long period of time. So I had to find a way to transition from the young Ryan and the young dad into here we are present day. And the way I did that was I did start off the film saying that this was around 1974. And then the transition was going into the home and showing young Ryan in photos. And so we showed those photos. We showed the dad off in the distance and then the mom coming in and having that conversation. So we do jump back way in time in the beginning, but then as we transition forward, we come into current day. And it's really about this son who has been away for a while and but has had these experiences of coming to the lake every weekend and hearing his dad's war stories and going fishing with him. And now he comes back and he's brought with the challenge that his dad has Alzheimer's and he doesn't know what that means. He doesn't know. He Actually, his response is, what does that mean? What, who cares or how am I going to deal with this? What do I need to do about that? So the mom is really trying to tell him, I don't know that this is a good idea. And this is a part of the story that actually happened in our family. My husband and I wanted to take his dad out. And every time we would want to take him out on a trip or go to the store, we had to stop and ask ourselves, what could possibly happen? And so in the film Recon, the older Ryan doesn't have that moment. He really doesn't think as to whether or not this is really going to be a big deal. This is just another father-son fishing trip to him. So he takes him to the bait and tackle shop, and everything seems normal. There is a moment where his dad's kind of questioning, or do we have the right bait? And, of course, Ryan says, yeah, of course it is. And so they kind of go through it. And then it's not until his dad has this moment that separates him and Ryan that Ryan at first doesn't understand what's happening, but then has to figure out the best way to connect with his dad. And that's where these fishing memories uh, come in and some of the stories that his dad tells him on these fishing memories. And so the overarching theme of Recon is make memories and start them as early on in a relationship as you can so that you can build those memories over time. And that way, if there's ever a situation in which there's Alzheimer's or some sort of um, disconnect or conflict with a loved one, you can always go back to these memories and find a way to reconnect with them. Well, I think that so much of who we are is wrapped up in our memories. And I think that that is probably one of the scariest things about Alzheimer's disease is that loss of your personal identity. Mm. Did you have any fear about bringing such a a scary topic, and I hate to say it's scary because it you know it makes it seem like we can't reach out to, uh, to those who may be affected by this. Mm-hmm. But for me, I know it is one of the scariest thoughts that we lose our identity and our memories. Did you fear at all bringing such a, a weighty subject to a film? Yes, there was a fear. And the fear was that the more I talk about it, am I going to be diagnosed with Alzheimer's myself, you know, because many times you see these artists and these people that put their life around something and ironically they contract whatever it is that they've been talking about. And so I I had this little bit of a fear that if I kept talking about it, that I'm going to get it. But that's not how Alzheimer's works. It's it's genetic. You can find out you can take a gene test and find out if if you are at a high risk 
for Alzheimer's. So there was that little bit of a fear, but it was kind of a kind of a childish fear. It's it's a silly fear. But there really was more of a sadness to this, a somberness. I wanted my set when we were producing this project to be one in which everybody worked very well in harmony. And so each scene, I tried to do what I could to keep things light, keep things happy, keep things moving forward, because I never wanted anyone to feel that emotion of sadness on set, because then I feel like that kind of draws the energy away. And I really wanted that energy to come out when it played out on screen. So there was really never a sense of fear. The sense was, I hope this doesn't draw the energy from my crew and we aren't able to perform well enough to get what we need. My cast, on the other hand, I think when I reached out to them to play their roles, they were very intrigued by the script. And that was really exciting to me. Alpha Trevette, who now works for Tyler Perry on Too Close to Home, I reached out to him and said, I really think he would be great for this script. And he read it and came back to me and was really excited and ended up taking on the role of the older dad with Alzheimer's and played a phenomenal job, really pulled that character off. And so I was worried because there's a scene where he falls. So I was worried about the stunt, worried about whether or not he'd be able to do that. Worried about the fact that he's playing an older character with Alzheimer's, if he would be okay with taking that on. He, he was totally on board and did a phenomenal job, as did all my cast. My cast was just phenomenal. And, you know, this is, you asked me earlier about the filmmaking business. And there are so many entities that come into filmmaking that it's really kind of hard to grasp what area really makes the film. But I will tell you, if you don't have a good cast, you don't have a good film. You can use the cruddiest equipment and have a phenomenal cast and you can still get your story across. So, um... To me, casting was probably my number one priority, and I think it paid off. Mm. Well, and I think you have to have a, a certain weight to the quality of the actors to approach a subject like mm -hmm. this because there were a lot of nonverbal cues that had to go on back and forth between people to build that level of suspense. Confiding in you, you know, about my own personal fears about Alzheimer's, there was a series of, is this going down the right road throughout uh, the interaction between the son and the father? Mm -hmm. And it just kind of ratcheted up the suspense you know, more and more to an extent for me. And I think, you know, as you might imagine, in the journalism profession, I'm constantly obsessed with memory and remembering things the correct <laughs> way. Or in the kind of cinematic sense eking out or distilling the real feeling out of those memories, even if it wasn't as, as precise to the actual actuality. This is impersonal, you know, my personal recollection of, of my life, not my professional work <laughs> as I'm sitting here talking on radio <laughs> and pulling back the curtain. Well, just playing off of the aspect of turning this story into a film, 
I wanted to actually pull upon your experience actually creating film here in, in the local community. Now, of course, you are local. I think that probably opened a few doors to you that may not have been for uh, just any person who is creating a film here. But as film production becomes a larger part of the Georgia economy, it's also a larger part of the economy across the country, places outside of Hollywood where we would traditionally think about it. I was curious if you were able to go out do things such as, um, you know, find locations, find extras, and that the um, people you were reaching out to had an understanding of what you were doing and also were accepting of the possibilities of, of you know, being a part of a film production. Was it easy to film here in the middle Georgia area or was it still a difficulty? Uh, there was a little bit of a difficulty, I think, because Eatonton, where we shot, is still somewhat of a small town. When I approached the gentleman at the bait and tackle shop, I got this sense of he wasn't quite sure who I was, even though I explained myself, you know, that I was working on a thesis project and that it was a short film and I really wanted to use his space. It was kind of a cold call at first to meet with him, introduce myself, and then tell him, you know, well, I'm still looking at areas, but I'll come back if I decide that this is the place. And so he, he kind of nodded his head and, and, and we parted. And then I came back a few weeks later and I said, hey, do you remember me? I really like your space. I'm interested in doing this. And so the second go around was a little bit more of a warmer call where we talked a little more in detail on what I needed. That he told me, of course, I couldn't do it during the day because his business was would be in operation. But he would be happy to let me have it throughout the evening. But then he would have to pay somebody there at night. And so I told him, thank you very much. I would think about it, and then I would come back. Well, us independent filmmakers typically don't have a lot of money, so then I had to think, you know, is this worth it to me? So I went back to him a third time. It really took three times, and this time it took a piece of paper for him to sign, and I said, okay, this is what I want to do. What can you offer me? He did come back and say, look, I'm not going to charge you. So the lady that he had working with this that evening, I did cut her a small check and thanked her very much and then asked her if she would be an extra. So I think there is some difficulty that they're still unsure of what we're going to be doing. It did require us to move around some things in his space. And I think at first he was a little uneasy with that. But then, you know, when he saw that I was legit, that I had a crew I wasn't just coming in with this teeny tiny camera and a couple of people to try to shoot his space. When he saw the legitimacy behind it, I think that's when he opened up and he was, he saw the professionalism. So again, going back to the nuts and bolts, I think professionalism, if you can display that up front, then people are more willing to work with you. But if you come in and you're unprepared and you don't know what you want and you you really can't present yourself in a manner that you know what you're doing, I think people are going to take a second look and say, you know, I'm not quite sure that I want you to use my space. So I think professionalism, you have to have that up front before people are willing to open your door. Mm. But in the sense that you get from the classes you were taking at uh, Savannah College of Art and Design, maybe the experiences of some of your students here at Georgia College, do you think that different parts of the state are warming up to more of the film industry, be it from the student level all the way up to the Marvel films that we hear being done here in the community, or not our community, but the statewide community? Do you think we're opening up more to our, us being a location of, of cinematic industry? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I've seen so many things happening in Atlanta. And then as Atlanta 
become saturated, we start seeing that expand out a little bit further. So actually, Reba was just in Madison not too long ago shooting a pilot for a television series. So absolutely, they are seeing the value of the small towns and what we have to offer. They are seeing that Georgia does have a lot of people that are interested in this industry. So I do have students in the mass communication program that have an interest in film and television. We don't offer film classes or film studies, but what we do offer at the Department of Mass Comm at Georgia College is how to be a producer, how to do the pre-production for any video project, the production processes. So once you're on set, the protocols, the etiquette, and then how to take that product from set and put it into an editing bay and then create something for multiple screens. So we're not a film school. We're not going through the film in that regard, like the schooling I had at SCAD. But many of the processes and procedures that I went through at SCAD, we have been teaching in the mass comm department for years. Of course, some of the things we've been asking some of the filmmakers throughout these series of interviews, looking forward to the film festival, is is what advice would you have? Now, I think from what you were just saying, I mean, you can take classes at, at many of our colleges now. It's not just at the kind of art and design colleges like SCAD, but even more of our liberal arts universities like Georgia College. But what if you were speaking to folks who may not have that opportunity to be in university. Maybe they graduated a long time ago. Maybe that just wasn't an option for them, but they still wanted to break into the industry somehow. I know there are a few locals out there who are doing just that now. What advice would you have for them about trying to pursue that passion for film? It's all about networking. It's Mm. all about who you know. That is really, truly one of the only ways into the industry. And quite honestly, it is a small industry. It's not one that has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. It's a very small community. And the way they get their work is by networking. So while you're on one show working that show, the way you get to the next show is to start asking, hey, what show are you working on? Do they need a makeup artist? Do they need an editor? Do they need a a producer? And then you start working your way that way. So networking is huge. I also know that, you know, by starting off on small projects, so like Recon, because I was also teaching full-time while I was going to school, and I knew that I was going to be shooting somewhat away from Atlanta, I was going to have to find crew that was either willing to make the trek from Atlanta or find some local folks. So I took the opportunity to invite some of my students to be part of my crew. And so because they had that opportunity to see the professionalism behind working on set, I believe I provided a a different tone on set than I would have in the classroom. So the tone that I provided on set was, we're here to work. We're here to work in a professional manner. And this is your chain of command, and this is how we're going to work. And that's just how it is on a film set. So when I invited these students, I did sit down with them prior to working with me and saying, this is my expectation. Is this an opportunity you want? And so the ones that took on the, the experience and the opportunity, they worked their tails off. They really worked so hard and provided me the content that I really needed for the film. So I have a student that came to Georgia College had an interest in going into radio. And so 
No, please uh, don't tell me you took another one away. <laughs> I did take another one away. No. <laughs> but the exciting thing is what she ended up learning was how to record sound, and she loves music. And so now what she wants to do is she wants to be a sound recordist as well as work with composers and building the music for films. So absolutely, I took another one away from radio. But it really took her love for radio to, to go that route. Um, so, you know, you were asking me, what advice do I have? Get on those small projects, work your way up to the larger projects, and network, network, network. And this, do you think that people who are doing those small projects are, are willing to take on someone who may not have any experience at that point, but has the willingness to put in those long hours, generally for a little bit of pay, if any at all? <laughs> you know, is the community open in that way? I think it depends on who you're working with. There are some filmmakers, and not that I know any of these people, but I know just in conversation with other filmmakers, that there are filmmakers out there that want to get to set and they want professional people on set and they don't want to take the time to have to train someone else. Myself, because I am a lifelong learner and I love the teaching process, I don't mind the extra time that it takes to bring someone on set to teach them the proper way of doing things. Because I personally believe that if you show your passion, if you show your interest in someone else, then they're willing to work a little bit harder for you. So, um, And I saw that on my set. I do think we are in a culture here in Georgia that is starting to move progressively towards finding ways to uh, work with people in the community. In the smaller towns, I don't know that we've reached it like Atlanta has reached it. I think in the smaller towns, we still have a little bit of stargazing. And many times when you're a stargazer, you're in it for your 15 minutes of fame. And filmmaking is not about fame at all. It's about taking a story. It's about taking your passion and trying to get everybody else on board with the same passion. And it's funny, I just had this conversation with a friend not too long ago you want everybody to come to your passionate project, but you never have time to go to other people's passionate project. And in filmmaking, you have to find a way to do both. It's a give and take. If I'm going to use you to help me get what I need on my project, then I better be willing to open up my doors and use my talent and my skill to help someone else down the line. And that's where film festivals come into play. I think film festivals are a great opportunity to come in and and really show off your work as well as see is what other people are good at. So I really enjoy directing. I'm a much better producer, but I love directing. And so if I get to the film festival and I find another director, I might say, look, I can, I can do some line producing for you. You know, let me line produce, you direct, and let's get on a project together. Film festivals are fantastic for that. And so we spoke a little bit earlier and of course, uh, Recon, you've had it for a while now, I think. Mm -hmm. And so you've shared it with everyone who helped you make it. Um, you, I'm sure you shared it with the important people in your mm -hmm. life. But this is the mm -hmm. first time that I think you're putting it on the big screen in front of a festival audience. What are you expecting that experience to be like? Nerve-wracking, but also very rewarding. I won't be there to watch my film. I will be there to watch the audience. I'm very interested in seeing how they respond if they have any response to the story in general. I did screen it for a small group of people, and one of them was a gentleman that let us use his doc for the film. And so he knew generally what the story was about, 
but wasn't on set, didn't really know too much about it. And afterwards, he came up to me in tears. And I said, oh, my gosh, are you okay? And he said, my dad has Alzheimer's. And my heart dropped. And so I knew immediately he got the story. He knew what I set out to do, and he felt it. And so that's what I'm looking for when I watch it on the big screen is I'm not there to watch my film. I'm there to see who in the audience feels it and gets it. Well, and I do want to compliment you on that fact, having shared my own personal fears about uh, the loss of memory and how much memories mean to my identity. There was a palpable feeling during the resolution scene of the film about what the characters had gone through and what their story meant for my own fears about Alzheimer's disease and the way it has yet to but may affect my life. Absolutely. I I hope that I left... um, you and, and the audience with the feeling of really where do we go from here you know we've got a dad that we now recognize has memory issues we have a son who is now in this realization of my dad has memory problems but what happens next what can we do about it and so part of my campaign has been a hashtag with alzheimer's awareness if anything just go read about it go find out what alzheimer's is about because if you ever get in a situation and I'll tell you this story like I was mentioning to you earlier the first time that I ever had an experience with someone that had dementia I was with my mother-in-law and she had a friend over and this friend was 87 years old and she started talking about she needed to get home because her husband was coming home and the kids were getting off the bus and my mother-in-law's immediate reaction was to tell her, Claudia, your husband's dead. And, you know, my gut reaction was, was that the right thing to say? And it wasn't. Um, That kind of threw Miss Claudia into a tailspin. My mother-in-law was trying to figure out, you know, where we go from there. And if people will take the, the opportunity to understand what Alzheimer's is, you will learn that the best way to respond to a situation like that is not to try to pull them out of what they are experiencing and bring them into your reality, but to change your reality and go into their world. And so that's that's what ended up happening with my father-in-law is anytime I got into a situation where I felt like he wasn't in my world, I had to make a change and get to where he was at so that I could reconnect with him and calm his fears calm his sense of a confusion and so um that's that's the other part of recon it's all about understanding what alzheimer's is and figuring out what we can do to be supportive of the research that's going on pushing the needle towards finding a cure for alzheimer's and then finding a way to work in harmony with those that have alzheimer's disease We're about out of time in our program today. So as we talked earlier, you're newly minted with an MFA from the Savannah College of Art and Design, but you're keeping your day job. I kid, of course. It's not really a day job (laughs) from what anyone has ever told me. But what's next for you? Virtual reality. (laughs) I just got a grant with another professor at Georgia College, Chris Greer. He and I put a grant in to get money for a virtual reality camera. And so we have it. I have actually worked through the concept 
and development of a script with a handful of students. We just shot a couple of weeks ago the first virtual reality short film that Georgia College will be putting together. And so now we're going into post-production, which is going to be an interesting feat because it is not editing. It's called stitching. So it is a new world for me, this virtual reality. And it's one that's exciting. It's innovative. And I think there's a lot of excitement around this topic. So I'm anxious to see where we go with it. Well, I have a feeling we'll be talking more about this in the future. Well, Angela, thank you so much for coming in and sharing with our audience about Recon and the making of. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And I hope everybody comes out to the Milledgeville Film Festival to see not only Recon, but all the other wonderful films and filmmakers that will be there.